Praise God, everybody. Praise God. Praise God. I know there's not a lot of us here right now, but people are going to slowly come in. Um, We'll just we're gonna keep the service starting right now at 7:30. Uh, we'll have a lot of good blessed brothers speaking. We have Alex, Dennis. Dennis will be finishing with our uh, Bible series as well. He will be speaking on. So may God bless every single one of you, brothers. And good to see all you guys' faces for another Tuesday. Praise God, everybody, that God has protected us. He's been with us, and he guided us. And if anybody who was in school, you, you know God has been blessing you at work. Praise God to everything. Um, I just want to start the service with a, a, a scripture, just opening up with the scripture. I want to open up with Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are, you, are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through Baca, the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Brothers, I just want to just open up the scripture where I just want to highlight specific area where it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. And we are in the house of God, the house of prayer. And we're here to praise and worship the God who's been blessed us, that he gave us salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's all be standing. Uh, we're going to be doing the weekly Bible reading at youth. Uh, Anna's going to be reading. Uh, it's going to be Romans chapter 8. So all you have the Bibles, uh, it's going to be Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is the life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation of itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. 
For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know that we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up First of all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? <clears throat> it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Слава Господу. Сегодня я буду проповедовать слово, стих которого пришел мне в молитве. Слово это было плоды, которые мы будем приносить во время свое. Это стих из Библии, из Псалма первого. И перед тем, как начать пробовать, я хотел бы обратиться к Слову Божьему и прочитать первую главу псалмов. Псалом Давида. «Блажен муж, который не ходит на совет нечестивых и не стоит на пути грешных, и не сидит в собрании развратителей, но в законе Господа воля его, и о законе его размышляет он день и ночь». И будет он как дерево, посаженное при потоках вод, которое приносит плод свой во время свое, и лист которого не вянет, и во всем, что не делает, успеет. Не так нечестивый, но они как прах, возметаемый ветром, потому не устоят нечестивые на суде, и грешники в собрании праведных, ибо знает Господь путь праведных, а путь нечестивых погибнет. В стихе третьем написано, «И будет он как дерево, посаженное при потоках вод», которая приносит плод свой во время свое. И я хотел бы сказать в своей проповеди о том, какие плоды и что за плоды, которые мы приносим Господу. Здесь пишет «во время свое». Как и дерево, как любое растение, которое имеет сезоны, сезоны, когда ее сеют, сезоны, когда она растет, сезоны дождей, снегов, которые она должна пройти, и сезоны роста, когда... Почки появляются, потом стебелек, и цветочки, и уже идут потом плоды. Так же самое и в нашей жизни. Мы не можем просто так приносить плоды. В нашей жизни такие же есть сезоны зимы, весны, лета и осени. Сезоны испытаний, сезоны, когда мы бежим к Богу, сезоны, когда мы находимся в молитвах и в чтениях Слова. И все это приносит тому к сезону, когда мы приносим Господу плоды. И... Также хотел сказать, что очень интересно, что во время испытаний, когда нам тяжело, когда нам э, трудно, когда нам кажется, что мы не готовы приносить плоды, как раз э, что Библия говорит, что слабость наша — это наша сила. Также Слово Божье говорит, что э, наша скорбь — это великая радость. И давайте обратимся к Слову Божьему, 1 Коринфянам. Это будет первая глава с 27 стиха. 
Но Бог избрал немудрое мира, чтобы посрамить мудрых, и немощное мира избрал Бог, чтобы посрамить сильное, и незнатное мира, и уничиженное, и ничего не значащее избрал Бог, чтобы упразднить значащее, для того, чтобы никакая плоть не хвалилась пред Богом. От Него и вы во Христе Иисусе, который сделался для нас премудростью от Бога, праведностью и освящением и искуплением, чтобы чтобы было, как написано, хвалящийся, хвались Господом. Поэтому единственное условие во всем этом только то, что мы в Господе. Если мы в Господе, то вся наша слабость и непреимущество, оно является нашей силой в Иисусе Христе, потому что Иисус нам даровал спасение, Он даровал нам победу через кровь свою, Он даровал нам Духа Святого, который обличает нас, который нас дает нам мудрости и дает нам силы двигаться вперед. И также я хотел бы э, прочесть э, вторую часть этого стиха в Псалме 1, где пишет «И лист, которого не вянет». И это пишет, что праведник никогда, э, это, листы праведника никогда не, будут, э, никогда не вянут. И даже когда приходят испытания, когда приходят ураганы, снега и дожди, Праведник будет всегда стоять, и лист его будет прям, и стебель его будет прям, и в, и в итоге, если он будет верен и праведен Господу, то он принесет плоды во время свое. Потому что и растения вянут, и стебли, и деревья, но если праведник стоит в Господе твердо, то его лист никогда не будет вянуть. И что же плоды, что же плоды те, которые Иисус Христос принимает от нас? Какие плоды Иисус ждет от нас в свое время, которое мы дадим? Это плоды Духа Святого, которые написано, Павел описывает в Галатах, в 5 главе, в 22 стиха. «Плод же Духа – любовь, радость, мир, долготерпение, благость, милосердие, вера, кротость, воздержание. На таковых нет закона». Очень часто легко нам радоваться, когда все хорошо, или любить тех, которые нас любят. Часто очень легко ждать, когда нам говорили, через минуту это получишь, и мы это получаем. Но так же самое ли нам легко, когда любить тех, которые нас ненавидят, или благословлять тех, которые нас проклинают? Легко ли нам ждать чего-то, долготерпеть, как, как Иисус говорит, долготерпеть, когда это надо ждать и год, и даже более того. Не все это могут и не все это любят. И как же радоваться тогда, когда даже улыбнуться не хочет? И именно этих плодов Иисус ждет от нас и ищет, чтобы мы взращивали. Но даже если у нас период, когда мы не видим все плодов, это не значит, что мы не можем их давать. Просто в нашей жизни... Есть периоды, когда мы, когда мы приносим плоды и период нашего духовного роста. И что я хочу сказать, в первую очередь самому себе и всем вам, что надо помнить, что какие бы трудности и сезоны в нашей жизни нет, все это придет, и мы принесем Господу плоды. И не, надо смотреть, не всегда надо смотреть на свои эмоции, которые иногда бывают ошибочны, иногда бывает тяжело и грустно, и кажется, что ты чего-то недостоин. Но на самом деле, именно в этот момент, в этот момент, когда ты ищешь Бога, когда ты идешь к Нему, Бог всегда открывается. И в конце, в итоге, ты принесешь Богу плод и прославишь ими. Давайте склонимся на молитву. This is found in 1 Samuel, and I don't have a specific verse, like specific verse I want to read from here. I just kind of want to go through the story and how it really helped me and how it kind of like, I've actually, I found this poem just randomly in my brother's room. I think, I don't know how it got there, but I'm reading it to you guys today, and I know God really wanted to speak to you guys through this, and I hope it touches your hearts and just encourages you. But basically, in 1 Samuel, this is chapter 4. It's talking about the Israelites, and they just went through a battle that they lost against the Philistines. So their kind of plan is, let's take the Ark of the Covenant. 
let's take it with us, let's take it to the next battle, and we're going to win this battle. So they already lost, and all of a sudden the Philistines, they just hear like shouting of joy and just excitement, and they're like, oh my goodness, we're going to lose, like we're done for. And they take the ark with them, and they end up losing the battle. And basically what I got from this story was that they were hoping in physical, they were hoping in something earthly, not earthly, they were just, they were hoping in this ark rather than hoping in God. They thought, I'm going to take this with us and we surely will win because of it if it's with us. But that's not how God works. It's not like if you take your Bible with you everywhere, you're going to be safe. If you always memorize this verse, it's going to help you get through everything. And it's not exactly how that works. You have to have faith in God. And basically, I just, I wrote this little note down and it was, they hoped in the physical, the earthly, but I will hope in your eternal and everlasting. And God is everlasting. He's eternal. And that's what I want to hope in. And how I wrote this poem, I was writing it in a time, I don't even remember what I was going through, but I know that I didn't have any faith to continue. And I was really asking God to just send me some kind of sign some kind of miracle to get me through so that I could keep going and having faith in him. And God doesn't work like that all the time. When I was a little, like, little baby believer, he maybe he would have done that. Like, he has done that for me a lot of times. But now I'm going through something, and it's like, God, like, send me a lightning bolt so I know I should just keep living till tomorrow. Or just show me that I should keep going. Show me what I have to do. Like, make it rain in, like, the next two seconds. I used to do that, guys. When I was little, I was like, God, make it rain right now so I know I have to quit piano. It didn't happen. <laughs> and... That's how, like, my faith was so little. It was like, God, like, just show me something and I'll keep going. And right now, it's like, that doesn't exactly always happen. There's no lightning bolts coming down. But that's okay because God gave us something else. He gave us his word. And when you're really struggling and going through something and you don't even want to, like, want to open up your Bible, like, how do you expect to be encouraged? Like, first look for something in here to encourage you. And I guarantee you, you will find something to encourage you in, in this word. It helps us get through. And I was just like looking back at myself after I read this, like it encouraged me. And I was like, wow, God, like I'm so sorry for doing that. I'm so sorry for making you prove yourself to me when you've already proved yourself so many times. And I'm like, you, you gave me this word, like I'm going to read it and I'm going to hope in you. And when you're going through something and the devil's trying to like tell you things and he's discouraging you, it's really difficult to get through those times when you have nothing to battle against, when you have like no word to say against him, like you don't know the truth. So if you're not reading your Bible, if you don't know any of this truth, you will lose that battle. So I encourage you to just get into your word and study it. And there's so much good stuff in it. It's been silent for a while now. I've heard nothing, and I've seen nothing. I've felt nothing, but I know faith doesn't just go by feeling. That believing is not just seeing. Faith is trusting. But for some reason, I want to hold on to miracles. Forget that you're invisible and feel something real, something that I can touch. But I can't grasp you, and I can't contain you in my clutch. My explanations want to be theoretical because I want control. I want to be able to know everything, understand all untold. But it frustrates me because it's so hard to surrender everything, to say that I won't know what will happen and that's okay because I will let God have his way. What is the limit of my assurance? How far is my confidence in him? To the end, can it withstand? I will watch the rivers race right by and I won't notice the land to the other side. Yet it's just a small step away. But I don't think that I can make it so I stay. I watch the water continue so you wait. You wait for me to take a chance to trust in your plan. And a lot of times I think that I'm the one waiting when I'm unmoving and time is wasting. I forget this grace that you showed me so many times, but every time I step over, I'm met with another river, and salvation is so near, but I don't have the strength to say, deliver. So I'll carry the burdens when you can take it off. It hinders me to cross. You calmed oceans, yet I stare at the waves in fear. I'm unprepared and scared. You call, draw near. But look at all these waves, yet you say, I'm just a step away. 
but look how, how dark the water is. But you say, I can be your wings, carry you on my pinions. But I say, what if I fall? Then I say to you, hear my call. Take hold of the hand that I have so long stretched out. Listen to the voice that cries out. It will deliver you in time of doubt. All right. Okay. Though I feel like my feet are sewn, though I feel like I can't make it, it's all unknown that I could drown, that this chaos is all around, even though I'm unsure, though I face many detours. Are you not greater than the waves? Are you not stronger than even the graves? Surely you are, and surely I'm not. So, okay, Lord, take it, command it, let your will be done. By surrendering, I have already won. And you are satisfied, you take pride, so you reward a hundredfold because I took the courage and stepped over because I trusted that you know better and all I can do is smile and praise, taking courage, having faith always pays. And I look back and laugh at that river. It's so small, yet I thought of it so big, roaring and bubbling, it's doubling in size and appearance. It may look troubling, yet all this time it was nothing. All this time I was just doubting. And your patience is so great and your loving kindness forever to endure with my questioning and still you choose to strengthen me because you love me, you teach me how to cross. I grow knowing you are greater than the plans of man. You are greater than my ideas and my stalling reasons. In all of my doubt, you have replaced it with freedom. Stepping over rivers becomes easier and easier. So now oceans I do not fear because you will help me overcome mountains, constant battles, different dangerous surroundings. And I know that even if the world will fail me and people will fail me, life and breath will leave me. But you, oh God, will never fail me. Praise God. So three years ago, we, um, with our worship team, well, part of it, we went on a worship retreat. And one of the ta tasks that they asked us to do there was to come up with a song. So make up your own song based on scripture. And we have a wonderful songwriter, guys, right here. Um, <laughs> Teamwork, but majority is her. So this year when we went, um, we came up with a new song, and so we would like to share that with you guys as well. Lord, I called, I cried for mercy. Hear me, Lord, be my help. What is gained if I am silenced? You brought my soul up from the grave. Sing
don't get like a little too comfortable. I was kind of hoping we'd all stand up and have a short prayer again, if that's okay. Lord Father, we thank you for this day that you've blessed us with. Lord, you see, this fellowship series is coming to an end, and tonight we're going to look at God is life. And I pray, Lord, would you bless this service, my God. I know that you've already blessed it, God. Through the worship, through the praise, and through the previous words that were said, you've been speaking to our hearts, my God. And I ask, Father, would you cleanse me, Father? Would you cleanse all of us here, Lord? And would you prepare us, Father, as we look into your word, as we finish this first epistle of John, Lord God, would everything be done in your mighty name we pray. Amen. And so as was said earlier, on this evening we are finishing the series that we started at the beginning of the month. And this series is called Fellowship with God. And as you know, we had the introduction with Alex Slobodyanik. And then we had Andy Ivansov do God is Light. We had our brother Dennis Todorashko do God is Love. And tonight we're going to look at God is life. But before I get into that, I'd really like to do like a little quick summary. Because I know one preacher said it like this. It's not that we don't know enough. It's that sometimes we could just forget what we already know. It's not that we need someone to teach us something new. Sometimes we just need to remember what it is that we have forgotten. And so Andy. When Andy spoke, he spoke on God is light. And some of the things he said were this. We Christians walk as people who are awake and not asleep. We are Christians that walk enlightened and not darkened. We are Christians that are clean, not unclean. And he said, when we have fellowship with a God of light, as we draw closer to that supreme light and perfection, we will see more and more of our own imperfections. As we draw closer to this spotlight we know as God's word, we see more and more of the specks that are in our own lives. And at the very end, Andy shared the story. It was a very tragic story about that, about that young baby, Sterling, and how the parents neglected that child and how that child ended up dying. And Andy finished by saying the world hated the light. The scripture says the world has hated the light and loved darkness because when you go into the light, you are exposed. And when you go into the light, your sins are brought to light. And so the world has hated the light. But we have loved the light because this light has been our hope and salvation. Dennis Tadarashko continued by saying, God is a God of love. And so it is unnatural for a Christian to not love as well. Because we have been given a new nature, it is unnatural for us to not walk in love because God is love. Not only is it unnatural for us to not love, it is unnatural for us to hate one another. If we hate one another, the Bible says you have been deceived, you've deceived yourself, you are walking in darkness. He also said that we are children of God. Throughout the epistle, we are reminded that we are 
the children of God, and that the children of God do not practice sin. We are not perfect. We still sin, but we do not practice sin. Our lifestyle is no longer one of sin. Our lifestyle is that of righteousness. He also said something that I really enjoyed. He said, and he was quoting the scripture, he said, the righteous man is bold as a lion. And so the only reason why you may not be bold in your Christian walk is because your conscience has been stained with sin. If you have been guilty of sin and you have been convicted of something that you have done and you have not confessed it, not only will you not be bold as a lion, you will run from everything and anything and you will walk in fear and doubts and you will not have any faith in God. And so today, we're going to finish by looking at God is life. And so to have fellowship with the God of life, we must possess his quality of life. I'll repeat that again. To have fellowship with the God of life, we must possess his same quality of life. And I want to very quickly read from 1 John chapter 5. This is 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. We're going to look at exactly what is this life look like. This is 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I want to take a little moment here to say this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is one that is very exclusive. It is one that commands exclusivity. There is no other life. There is no other hope. There is no other salvation. There is nothing else for you anywhere but in Jesus Christ. You will only obtain life in the Jesus Christ that is the one we know from this Bible. We were reading if you recall when Dennis was speaking on God as love, that if someone rejects Jesus Christ, if you do not accept Jesus Christ as the only Son of God, as the Messiah, as the one who came in the likeness of flesh, you are anti-Christ. If you do not accept Jesus Christ, you are anti-Christ. And so the life that we have is exclusive. It is exclusively in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, God himself who came down on earth as a human being, as a man who lived a perfect and sinless life, who physically did die, who did physically resurrect on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of God. Amen. And so, not only do we have this exclusivity in Jesus Christ, but if there was any other hope, if there was any other hope, when we read the book of Acts, we see how the church was first founded. We see what was the message that was, pre that was preached to the first Christians that were ever, ever converted, we could say. And that's where I wanted to turn to. And honestly, I probably have just said the whole verse, but let's just read it anyway. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And it's basically, it's what I was saying just now, but we'll read it anyway because it's the word of God. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 it says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If there was any other hope, if there was any other name, we would have known, but there is only one name, and that is Jesus Christ. And so as we've been reading this epistle of 1 John, we've seen what a Christian should look like, have we not? Throughout this series, we've seen God is a God of light, a Christian will walk in light. The Christian will not walk in darkness. He will have fellowship with God. He will stay away from loving this world. We have looked at a Christian will love because God loves. He will not hate his brother. He will treat his brother in love. And as we've been going through this epistle, I've been hoping that we have not been looking at this epistle as a, you must do this, as you must do this if you want to be a Christian type of a deal. This epistle is not saying that. This epistle is not saying to you, if you wish to be a Christian, you must do these things. This epistle is not saying, well, if you could just love some more, then you would be okay. 
Or if only you could just separate some more from the world, you would be okay. If you leave this service saying to yourself this, God is a God of light. God is a God of love. God is a God of life. I need to try harder. If you walk out of here saying that, then you've missed the point. If you leave this service saying, I must love more, I must walk in light, I must forsake the darkness, I need to dwell in church more, I need to start attending church more, and you kind of turn this into something that you need to do, you've missed the point. This epistle of 1 John has been saying, if you are a Christian, you will do these things. If you are a Christian, you will separate from the world. If you are a Christian, you will walk in the light as God is in the light. If you are a Christian, you will love because God has loved you. If you are a Christian, you will have life because God has life. This is not a checklist for you to say, I need to try harder. Please do not leave this place saying, I need to try harder. This epistle is saying, these are the things that you will naturally do. These are the things that a Christian naturally does. These are the things that a Christian does not naturally do. This is what this epistle has been all about. It is not of perfection, of course. It's about direction. We will never perfectly do everything correctly, but it is about direction. Are you practicing a lifestyle that is categorized by sin? Are you in habitual practicing sin, or are you practicing righteousness? That's what this epistle is all about. And so I wanted to finish First John chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 18 down to 21. There's something very important at the very end of this chapter that I wanted to touch on. If you guys were thinking that oh, we finished the series so quickly, that's not what's happening. There's something at the end of the chapter, at the chapter that I wanted to focus on. But let's go back to 1 John chapter 5. Verse 18 going down. And it says this. We know that whoever is born of God does whoever is born of God does not sin. Once again, this is practicing sin we're talking about. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. You knowing Jesus Christ is eternal life. You having Jesus Christ is eternal life. There is nothing more than to know the Son of God to be called eternal life. When you are in heaven, you will know you are there because you will know Jesus Christ. When you are in heaven, you will know because Jesus Christ will be there with you. You will be in fellowship with him. Perfectly. This is eternal life. It is true that in heaven we will no longer hunger. We will never thirst again. The sun is not going to scorch us. We won't be affected by the things we were here. But true eternal life is this, that we know Jesus Christ. That we can finally look our Savior in the eyes. The one who loved us so much and died on the cross for us. That is eternal life. Eternal life is finally being able to embrace our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one that you and I have not seen, the one that you and I have been hoping for and have put our faith in. I have not seen Jesus Christ, but I have put my hope and faith in him because the Holy Spirit has borne a witness inside of me and inside of you. And so eternal life is this. Soon we're going to finally know him just as we are known. And so something is very interesting. And so we leave this chapter on such a good note, right? This is the life. This is what the life looks like. This life is in you. You're in this life. I, he literally says in chapter 2 or 3, I don't even need to teach you these things because the Holy Spirit has taught you these things. And he, we're finishing this chapter, and it's such a good note. And then you read verse 21, and he says this, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. He has finished giving us such a beautiful presentation of our relationship with this God of light, this God of love, and this God of life. But he has to say something before he's done, and it's this. Stay away from idols. Stay away from idols. God is in you. You are to walk out of this place knowing whether or not you are saved. 
stay away from idols. And so the question is why? Why would he leave this letter on such a note? Why would he end this note, such a good note, such a good letter with stay away from idols? And that's what I wanted to focus on tonight. Why is it that he finished this epistle with these words? Abstain from idols. Little children, abstain from idols. And I think the first thing that we should look at is this. Let's identify what it is to have an idol. What does it mean to practice idolatry? And this is where I wanted to turn to the letter of Colossians. We're going to open to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to look and see what the scripture defines as idolatry. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He's saying, since you have been raised with Jesus Christ, you have been joined to his spiritual death at the cross. You have been spiritually joined with him in the tomb, and you are spiritually joined with him at his resurrection. Stop thinking like you've used to been thinking. Stop concerning yourself with the things that you have been concerning yourself. Now that Christ is in heaven, you too spiritually join your mind with Christ in heaven and think of the things that are above, not the things that are down here. And he's saying in verse 5, Therefore, knowing all these things, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, envy, which is idolatry. Envy is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. When you say, Lord, I need more, that is idolatry. When you say, God, I really want this. I really, really, really want this thing that I don't have yet. I see my brother or sister has it. I really want it, God. Lord, you've blessed this brother or sister so, so much. Lord, I need that. Why haven't you given that to me? God, if only I could sing as well as that brother or that sister. Father, why haven't you given that to me? When you do this, you have committed idolatry. When you have shown envy, when you have coveted something that God has not given you, you have committed idolatry. You have made that an idol in your life. When you say, Lord, the, the job that that brother or sister has is better than the job that I have. Lord, the degree that that brother or sister has is better than my degree. Lord, those parents are better than my parents. My siblings aren't cool like those siblings. Lord, if only I could have this or this or that, or if only I could change this situation, if I could get a new car here, if I could finally afford that truck. This is idolatry. This is idolatry. I'm a guy, so I had to throw that in there. We really like trucks, okay? When we say, God, you have not given us enough, we have committed idolatry. So you might say, what's the big deal? Idolatry is a sin. Stealing is a sin. Lying is a sin. What's so bad about idolatry? What is so bad about envy? What is so bad about covetousness? I still don't understand. Why did John put that at the end? It's a sin just like any other sin. What's the big deal? And this is where I wanted to turn to James chapter 3. This is James chapter 3. And this is something that you may have heard before, you've read before, but you just glossed over it. You didn't let it actually change you. This is James chapter 3, verses 13 to 16. it says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, and what's the wording is bitter envy. Do you know why it's bitter envy? Because you are mad at God. You have started to resent God. You have become harsh towards God. When you are envious, it's not I wish I could have this, but it's okay if I don't. It's, I really wish I could have this. 
And I am not happy that I do not have this. So when you have shown envy, you are bitter towards God. And it says, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, selfish ambitions, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. When you have idolatry in your life, when you have envy in your life, when you display covetousness in your heart and you have bitter envy toward God, it will suck all of the life and the joy and the hope out of your Christian walk. When you come before God with an attitude of resentment and harshness and bitterness, your Christian walk will be sucked completely dry of all joy and hope and happiness. And I want you to think in your own lives, is this not true? I think in my own lives, those moments when I gave in to the thoughts in my head and I said, Lord, I truly do deserve more. Lord, I truly need to step it up and start getting things my way. Lord, I'm going to start pursuing these things because you're taking your sweet time, Lord, and you're not giving me what I want. Those moments in my life have been empty of happiness. They have been empty of joy. There has not been any peace. There has not been any guidance. There has not been any wisdom whatsoever, just like the Scripture says. It says it's sensual, it's earthly, it's demonic. A lot of people have their opinion on what it means to be demon-possessed or demonic influence or demonic oppression. A lot of it is just experience that you don't need to worry about. But the scripture here says this. If you walk around with bitter envy, if you walk around saying, Lord, I do not have enough, you are no longer being guided by the Holy Spirit. You are being guided by the devil himself. When you say, Lord, I do not have enough, you are being guided by that which is demonic wisdom. If you want to know whether or not the reason why you have no peace and no security and no hope and no safety in your life and you feel like things just don't make sense and your Christianity is not going anywhere, consider, do I have idols in my life? Have I made an idol in my life and the reason why I have no peace is because the wisdom that comes from the devil himself is leading and guiding my life. The wisdom that comes from the pit of hell is leading and guiding me and directing me and that is why I have no peace. That is why I have no idea what is going on in my life. It's because I have committed idolatry. I am saying this is not enough for me. God, I love this. Lord, the world isn't as bad as you make it out to be, God. Surely I can do this. Surely I can go here. Surely I can obtain this. The world isn't that bad, is it, God? Verse 16, once again, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Confusion and every evil thing are there. Your Christianity will stop making sense. You will not be able to discern God's will anymore. You will have no idea what God wants you to do. You'll have no idea what's right or wrong anymore. Why? Because it's no longer the wisdom that comes from above. It's the wisdom that comes from below, you could say. It's demonic wisdom. But I don't want to leave you guys with a note like that. When we read the scriptures, we understand this. God is not willing that any should perish. He's willing that everyone would come to the knowledge of the truth, that everyone would be saved. He is not happy when anybody goes to hell, the Bible says. He is not happy when someone goes to hell. He does not want anyone to go to hell. He wants all of us to have eternal life. He wants all of us to know Jesus Christ. He wants all of us to have Jesus Christ. And there's this verse I read. It was in the Old Testament. Sometimes as you read the Old Testament, you'll catch a gospel message here and there because that's how God is. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And even in the Old Testament, he was sharing the gospel here and there. And this is found in the book of Isaiah chapter 50. I want to read it very quickly because the attitude that we have when it comes to life is very well summarized in this verse. Because for us to have a fellowship with the God of life, we need to have his same quality of life. What does God require for me and you to be given this life? 
What does God ask from each and every single one of us? To obtain this awesome and amazing life. What do you and I need to do to obtain this resurrection, this holiness, and this love? What is it that we need to do? It says Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10 and 11. And it says this. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled, this you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. I want to read verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness? Who here can say, Lord, I walk in darkness. Lord, I need your help. I need your light. I cannot see. I am blind. I am wretched. I need you, Lord. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. But we have another group of people. And these people were the Pharisees. And they said, that, and he says this to those people. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He had healed that man. Do you remember the man who was blind? He healed him. And he was saying to the Pharisees, you guys think you see. And because you think you see, you are blind. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But because you think that you can see and you think that you have a light, you are in sin. You, I have blinded you. He says, I have blinded you. You have been blinded. It was read what? God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise things of this world. The Pharisees were looking at everyone around them and saying, you don't have the light, you don't have the light, you don't have the light, you're blind, you're blind, you're blind. What did he say to the person who was healed? He was blind, he was healed, and he said to them, Pharisees, don't you know God would never work through a man like Jesus Christ unless it was God's will? They said, you're teaching us, you, you were born in sin and you are teaching us they were putting everyone down and saying, all of you are blind. We are the only ones who can see. We can see by our light. And what happened was they were making their own righteousness. They had their own self-righteousness, and they were coming before Jesus with their own self-righteousness, saying, look at this light that we have. We have it all figured out. And Jesus is saying to them, because you think you have it figured out, I will not allow you to actually see your true state. Because you think that you see, because you think you're walking in light, the reality is you're walking in darkness and you are blind. But if you will submit to God and you will say, Lord, I am blind. Lord, I am in darkness. I have been in darkness. I am walking in darkness. I trust in your light. I trust in your son, Jesus Christ. I trust in the finished work of the cross. If I will trust and rely and hope in God, he will forgive me. He will restore me. And then he will open my eyes. And then I will truly see. But if I say, Lord, I have my own light. Lord, I have my own kind of form of Christianity. I figured it out. Do some good stuff. Don't do too much bad stuff. Make sure you come to church once a week. Uh, you don't want to be too good. That's a little bit legalistic right there. I could still do some of these few things. And if I can just kind of make this all fit together, and if I can just, I tithe the 10%. Don't forget, I'm giving you 10%. I'm giving you the first fruits. And you've created your own little campfire and your own little sparks you got shooting out. And you're saying, I can see just fine. The Lord says, you see nothing, you are blind. But if you can say, Lord, I am in darkness. God, there is nothing that I could do. I am blind. I need you to send a light. I need your light, Jesus Christ. Then God promises that he will send the Holy Spirit. And that this life that Jesus Christ had, this Holy Spirit, will come and enter into your heart. And that you too will have this quality of life. When you read the first epistle of John, you won't be saying to yourself, Man, I really need to start loving more. Man, I need to start separating from the world more. 
I just need to start working harder. You'll be reading it and saying, Lord, I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you have been doing these things in my life naturally, Lord God. Lord, you have not had to force me to love my neighbor. Your Spirit makes me love my neighbor. My God, I don't need anyone to manipulate me to separate from the world and from the culture. Your Spirit inside of me groans to stay away from this culture. The Spirit that's inside of me wants nothing to do with this world. I don't need anyone to manipulate me to stay away from the world. I don't want to be in the world. I have a new nature now. My nature wants to be with the God of light, the God of love, and the God of life. No one has to force me to do these things. But if I have idols in my life, if I say, Lord, this Christian walk wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. And Lord, you've been blessing these people, and I really wish that was me right there. I really wish I could just have this or that. My Christianity will be sucked out of all the life and the joy and the peace and the calm that is supposed to come with it. Is your Christian walk something that seems so unstable? Is it like that wave that's being tossed to and fro by the wind? Is there no peace? Are you walking in confusion? It's very possible you have an idol in your life. It's very possible you've set a goal that is not with Christ in heaven. You have not set a goal that is up there in heaven where Christ is seated, but you've set a goal somewhere down here. And what happens when your goals are down here? It's no longer being guided by the Holy Spirit. It's being guided by the demonic. When your goal is something that is a selfish ambition, when your goal is something that is earthly and sensual, it is no longer led by the Holy Spirit. It is led by the devil. And that is why there is confusion. That is why every evil thing is standing in your way because you've said, God, you're not enough for me anymore. God, I don't really trust you at this moment right now and I need to start doing something to get this. I really need to start doing something to change my circumstances. I really need to start doing something to get out of this pit that I'm in. Your Christianity will be confusing. You will have no peace. You will not know what's going on. You will not be able to discern God's will anymore. You will have no idea what it is that God asks of you until you remove that idol from your life. And so the warning to us is this. If you are a Christian, if you have this life inside of you, the warning to you is this. Rejoice, be happy, know that you're saved, know that you're going to heaven, know that the Father loves you, know that the Spirit is indwelling inside of you and that nothing can separate you from his love. Be careful, abstain from idols. That's what the warning and the message is to all of us Christians here tonight. Abstain from idols. If you wish to have fellowship with a God of light, a God of love, and a God of life, abstain from idols because idols will hinder your spiritual walk. The idols will sap the joy out of your life. It'll bring your Christianity to confusion, to a lack of peace, a lack of hope. You'll have no idea what's going on. But the second you put all the trust in the Lord, the second you say, God, I'm walking in darkness. I'm not going to build myself a campfire. I'm not going to pretend that I see. Lord, I am blind. I am wretched. I need you. Then I will have my eyes opened. I will finally see, and I'll be able to walk with this God of light, this God of love, and this God of life. Amen? Let us all bow in prayer. Lord Father, I am so grateful for this series, my God. As I was listening to this series, Lord Father, I was understanding, Lord, that the gospel has been so sufficiently preached throughout this month, my God. Your word has been faithfully preached, Father, by Slobodyanik, by Andy, by Dennis, Lord. Your word has been glorified, lifted up, and exalted, Lord. And I am so grateful and thankful for this series, my God. This opportunity that we have had to dwell with you, my God, to see what it means to have fellowship with a God that is light, love, and life, my Lord. I pray as we leave this service, let us not walk out of here saying we must work harder, my God. Let us not walk and leave this place and say, I need to work harder. I need to start loving more. I need to start walking in light. That is not the point, Father. If we have life inside of us, we will do these things by our very new nature, my God. The Holy Spirit will draw us towards your light, my God. The Holy Spirit will pull us away from this world. We will not 
not love the things of this world, my God, because we have a new heart, Father. We have a new spirit living inside of us, Lord. And I pray, my God, if we have not made peace with you, Lord, if we have walked in our own campfire, in our own sparks, in our own fire, and we have said, we can see, we know how this Christianity thing works out, and we have made our own religion, I pray have mercy on us, God. Forgive us, Lord. Open our eyes, my God. We are blind. You have blinded us, Lord. We have come before you in self-righteousness, my God, and we see nothing, my God. We have deceived ourselves. We walk in darkness, my God. But Lord, if we can humbly come before you and say, we are wretched, my God. We are in darkness. We have walked in darkness our whole lives, Father, and we are blind. We see nothing. Jesus, save us, my God. You will come and you will save us to the uttermost, Lord. There is no other name by which man is saved but Jesus Christ, God, and we will trust in your finished work, my God. We will trust in your holiness, in your righteousness, and in your mercy and grace, my God. I pray, Lord, as we leave this place, would we better understand what it means to have fellowship with a God that is light, that is love, and is life, Father. Would we learn to trust you, my God, and to be obedient to your word and to your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray. And I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, speak to us, God. If we have not repented, Lord, if there are those in this place, my God, who have been okay, Father, with their Christianity. They've been okay, Lord. They've been walking in confusion, Lord. They don't realize it, but their whole life has been guided by the devil. The wisdom that's been guiding their life is demonic. They've set up idols, my God. They've envied things that do not belong to them, and they've said that you are not enough. Have mercy on us, God. I pray, would we draw near to the cross? Would we repent in ashes and sackcloth, Father, Lord? We love you, my God, and we ask you, be with us, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.